Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Stay tuned as Greg Prince brings the Catholic newsmakers to you. Wherever it's happening in the diocese, you'll hear about it on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Something a little bit different today. Oh, I'm so on uh, Columbus Day, and, and I'll let you talk about this, you did a pilgrimage for missionaries and for the associates, kind of in place of what you'd normally do, like an overnight retreat right. or whatnot. So we're going to talk about that today. And so what's going to happen is we're going to find out how this came about and what the pilgrimage was all about. And then uh, from there on in, um, we're actually going to hear from folks like Father Dan Young, who kind of led the pilgrimage. And we're going to hear about the various Mm -hmm. locations, Dave Topper as well. So Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you, tell me about the idea for this St. John Newman pilgrimage. Okay, well, this has really been like, in, as you say, you know, in process of happening for maybe five, six years, because Dave Topper, who teaches um, our sixth, seventh, and eighth graders religion, and who also teaches our confirmation class and and uh, um, you know our CCD, he would take the kids and he would do this one day with them, usually the teenagers, where he would do the St. John Newman Trail. And he would tell me, I'm going to take them here. And, and he took them to all these different churches, talked about St. John Newman, did things. And uh, I would always say to him, boy, how come you can't do that for the adults? We would love that. So this year, it's just been, it's one of those years, you know, where we're really so busy and we just don't have a lot of money. And it's just not St. Luke's, it's everybody because, of course, we depend on, people's donations and, you know, yeah, wine and right. things. So as I was talking to people, you know, they want to do something, but couldn't do it overnight. You know, just nobody really has the money to do that this year. So that's when I said to David, hey, why don't we do our St. John Newman, what we've been wanting to do? And uh, he said, I'd love to do it. So we started to do some research. We got a bus, one of those luxury buses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, we are going to start in Sheldon. Okay, it's. Um, I know it was Saint Cecilia's. I don't know what it what it is right now. Ooh, it he, you catch me off guard. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, Father Dan will tell us in the next he, segment. He That's will. He go. will. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to start in Sheldon, and we'll have mass there, and then we take the bus to Saint John the Baptist in Kenmore, where they have a museum for uh, Saint John Newman. And they'll have a little talk there about how he started it, a little history there. Then from there, uh, we found out through a book that uh, when when uh, David was doing research that uh, he used to eat at the Eagle House. We thought that was cool. So we made reservations at the Eagle House. And we will have lunch there. Who would have thought? Who would have <laughs> thought, right? And then from there... Well, there's a lot of history, I think. Yeah, there's sure. I'm I can't sure, you wait know, when you get He was here a long time. He yeah. must have. He had to interact with people in yeah, different places, exactly. right? Sure. And we go to St. Peter and Paul's in Williamsville, where uh, they have someone there who's going to be able to talk about the history of how we started St. Peter and Paul's. And then from there, we go to St. Mary's of Swarmsville, and their little chapel, because, you know, they built a new church. So that little chapel was where St. John Newman started. And uh, we'll do the chaplet there. And then from there, we go to uh, Good Shepherd in Pendleton. And Father Dan Young is, a, is presently the pastor there. It's a wonderful statue of 
St. John Newman as a young man there, and he'll do the talk there and talk about how he started uh, St. Good Shepherd. And then from there we go to St. Mary's of the Cataracts in Niagara Falls, and Father Yatsik will be waiting for us there. He'll do a talk, and then we end up that day at the Como restaurant and come home. Well, was the Como one of Newman's favorites? I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> no, we just like their food. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, it's interesting, and one of the reasons that I wanted to um, talk to you, Amy, and have you set this up, kind of almost coincidentally, maybe providentially, these are all places where you guys have done a lot of ministry over the years. Isn't it wild? Yeah, it yeah. is. And that's actually, you know, um, I think what God is thinking about this. Like we weren't going to go to Sheldon, but the voices every year do the penance service. And they were looking and, and um, Sandy came to me, who's one of the voices of mercy. She says, we really got to go to Sheldon. How can we do this without going to Sheldon? You know, so I said to David, he goes, I'd love to go, but can we do it? And I said, yeah, thanks. So I called Father, and he said, yeah, for sure. You know, we'd love to have you. But, you know, it, isn't it wild to me of how much area he covered on horseback? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's what everyone says yeah. when they talk about Newman is that yeah, you know, it's amazing the ground that he covered. Yeah. So I thought it would be really cool to kind of get that experience and just to talk about you know, the different things he did and how he started. And, of course, then he went to Philadelphia, and uh, that's where he actually is today. We were blessed enough to do a pilgrimage to Philadelphia and get to see him. You know, his tomb is right in the cathedral there, and it was really nice. But, you know, all that he did here, you know, and, and, and I'm not sure. I'm sure Dave Topper will fill you in on a little bit of this. But they, uh, um, they, they really kind of... Didn't really like him here, I don't think. I could be wrong. but Or maybe that was in Philadelphia where he had the hard time. We can get him mixed up. But, I mean, for all the work he did in there, he, I, I don't know if he was the most popular. Now, hopefully I'm wrong in Buffalo, but I know in <laughs> Philadelphia when we went there that they said, you know, and but that was, of course, a different area. But uh, he was a hard worker, and he just loved the faith and wanted to spread it. So I thought that's great. So, So I'm really excited about this because, like I said, I, I, I want to learn about, especially because it's in western New York, you know, and especially since it's right now, you know, here's a saint that started so many parishes and did so much. I think it's great. And hopefully, people who go, if they like it, maybe other parishes will pick it up and do it. It wasn't really expensive, and it really, uh, you can do it in a day, and I think it's good fellowship and good learning. So you want to do the homework first? If people listening today enjoy it, maybe they should get their parish to do it. To right? do it, yeah, and to call and just see it and see, you know, when you get a little overview of what we do, you know, you might want to sponsor it in your own parish or own vicariate, you know. That would be a cool thing. Well, so, hopefully everyone will enjoy I hope you listening do. to our own little audio version of the St. John Newman pilgrimage. Yep, it's great. Who knows? They might pick it up at the... Uh, Catholic Center, and they might pick it up and you can do another video. Who knows? <laughs> It'll be great. So if you listen to the program, uh, you'll probably recognize Dave Toper uh, from St. Luke's, who uh, does a lot of the religious ed for uh, St. Luke's Mission of Mercy with the children and adults, actually, as well. And um, Amy had already talked to us about how kind of this 
little pilgrimage came about, this tour of the Newman churches in western New York. It's something that you have a particular interest in, right? I mean, you're kind of a church history guy, and a, you like the, you know, and, and a liturgy guy, and, a, and a, you know, the, uh, um, uh, you know, our, our, knowing about our local churches as well. Yeah, very interested to teach uh, our adults and our young people how that personal encounter with Christ and his church then gets lived out in people's lives and they share that faith. They, they come to know God's love, the goodness of God, the truth, and then they live it. So to look at a man like John Newman is to see someone who is touched by God's love and then he spent his whole life sharing that love. Well, and just to kind of put that in church perspective, I guess, right? I mean, that is the story of our... Catholic faith, right? And it kind of starts with Acts of the Apostles. We look up to those who went before us. Right. They had a personal encounter with Jesus, or they knew people who knew Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost, and they went out and they shared the good news and devoted their entire lives to that. Uh, so give us kind of the Cliff Notes version of John Newman and his life. We don't have time to do every detail, but just like, you know, how did he become a priest? Where did he serve? Those kinds of things. Okay, born in uh, Bohemia in the Czech Republic. He was very interested in science. At the end of his, probably what would be akin to his high school studies, his mother said, do you want to be a priest? Wouldn't it be great if you would be a priest? It's always mom, isn't it? Mom, mom, mom went to Mass every day, his mom, and kind of got on, got on his case a little bit. He wanted to be a doctor, loved science, but he was obedient and faithful to his mom, and he prayed, and he thought, yes, the Lord may be calling me to that. So he went into the seminary and what is today the Czech Republic and uh, he does all the seminary studies and in that time period he really wanted to become a missionary priest here in North America and that was his resolution there were so many priests in his home area that he wasn't being ordained right away and the bishop was sick so he had to wait he petitioned his bishop to ask the bishop of New York City and he hadn't heard an answer waiting for about eight months. So then he decides, I'm just going to hop on a boat. I'm coming to America. See what happens. He arrives in New York City in 1836. The letter was sent by his bishop, authorizing the Bishop of New York City to ordain him. And shortly after arriving, he's ordained a priest in Old St. Patrick's Cathedral, says his first math, ma- mass shortly thereafter. And then his The Bishop of uh, New York sends him to Buffalo, and then he's in Buffalo from 1836 to 1840. And not a diocese yet in Buffalo. No, part of the diocese or archdiocese of New York at that time, the westernmost point of the New York diocese. Um, Now, he has an interesting story. Now, just let let me, because we'll talk just a little bit more about his time in Buffalo. He's not in Buffalo very long, right? And then, of course, obviously, he becomes... Um, bishop in Philadelphia, and want to give us just that kind of ending of his life, that last stuff after he leaves Buffalo. Just a little bit. After he leaves Buffalo, he becomes a redemptorist priest, and he is a redemptorist for a number of years. At one point, is in charge of the redemptorists in America under the supervision of um, European redemptorists. But so he does that, and then at one point, he finds the uh, pectoral cross and the ring of a bishop in his room, placed there by the former bishop of Philadelphia, who went to confession to Newman. And then he knew that he was called to be a bishop, and I think that was a little bit of a struggle that day and the days thereafter. And in his life, it wasn't easy being a bishop. It was a tough job, but he accepted. It was God's will, and he became the fourth bishop of Philadelphia. 
um, and fairly recently um, elevated to sainthood, right, in our lifetime. 1977, he's, or, he's elevated to uh, the sainthood by, I believe it's Pius uh, the sixth, or excuse me, Pope Paul the sixth. Pope Paul the sixth. Uh, uh, okay, so let's go back to that that time in Buffalo. Really, the focus of this show and the and the pilgrimage presently, um, based in the immediate Buffalo area with the German communities there, those early German communities. Again, prior to Buffalo becoming its own diocese, but. He covered a lot of ground. He covered about 900 square miles, Niagara Falls in the north, Sheldon, and then he was in Batavia, and then closer to home, Williamsville, Clarence, Tonawanda, um, Pendleton. So he really got around, and his preferred mode of travel was his own two feet, but he'd be walking for 12 hours and then sometimes he'd come back the same day so he was certainly uh, a busy man and he worked tirelessly someone gave him a horse he didn't like that so much but he would use the horse he fell off it at least once he the horse ran him into things it was a little tricky for him so the um yeah he was known as the walking priest right for a long right. time like yeah he he, he liked things? to walk yes he liked to walk, and that's, that was his preferred mode of transportation, but it certainly took a long time, and it was very draining on him. His years in Buffalo were, were wonderful years, but they were also very tiring years. He, he was you know, incessantly working, and he had little community, and I think the lack of community, because it was him out here in this... He was stationed originally in Williamsville, then in, in Kenmore at Saint John, what is now St. John the Baptist, but he didn't have much community. His brother joined him in 18... Um, 39, but he felt called to community, and that's when he left Buffalo to okay. become a redemptorist. Uh, now, and it's interesting, all of the places where um, he were, and I know we're going to hear about this as, as, as this pilgrimage continues, but um, it, there, there's a certain similarity there, right, in that um, these aren't actual churches, yet these are kind of the the germ of churches, right, that he's serving in. Yeah, seed communities, you have, you do in St. Peter and Paul in Williamsville, you have the walls of a church, that's about as far as it got, and uh, in uh, Northbush, which is now St. John the Baptist, there I believe there was a church there, but many of them didn't have churches. One I failed to mention is in Lancaster, which was Cayuga Creek, it's St. Mary of the Assumption, St. Mary of, of the Hill. On the Hill, he was a driving force in that church being built, the original church there being built. So it was communities that sometimes had little structures and bigger structures being built, but it wasn't the full-fledged churches and communities that we would see today. Okay, and, and we're going to hear more about this as the, as the show progresses from several of these locations. But, but let me ask you, Dave, just your own personal kind of... Um, uh, devotion or interest in in Newman. What's it about Newman that appeals to you? Well, I think Newman, there's a couple things. One, he he was called to the area that I'm called to, in a sense, in this area. So that's one thing. But also, he was, he was um, at many levels, a simple guy that just, he loved God, and he took that very seriously, and he put all his gifts at the service of others. He loved, um, he loved to study, but he didn't have a ton of time to do that either. But just the the faithfulness in where God put him and the struggle and overcoming the struggle and just kind of uh, pressing on makes him someone um, being faithful in the ordinary things. But those ordinary things led to quite extraordinary um, experiences and, and, and extraordinary giving in his life. So 
Um, I guess he's just uh, sort of a normal guy who took the uh, call of God seriously and, and great fruit came from that. Now, since you're your first up, and we've heard from Amy already here on the show, but I'll, I'll give you a chance to kind of maybe uh, uh, tell your favorite story. There's a lot of, um, of course, with any saint, right? It's the same thing with Father Baker when we talk about Father Baker and Black There, There's things that happen, then there's things that are kind of legend, you know, ascribed to. And really, in terms of faithfulness, I suppose, the legend in terms of building faith sometimes is as important as... As the as the actual stories, the actual mm-hmm. things that they that they did. But do you have a favorite Newman story? Well, if I have a favorite, one of them certainly is just how when he was at Saints Peter and Paul, he stayed at what a tavern, and it seems like it was the Eagle House. And he had there was a room close by, and he might have had to go through that room to get to his room, or it was very close by. And a younger woman let lived there, and a gentleman who had wanted. John Newman to live with him at another place but chose this place in the tavern Um, he was jealous and he kind of insinuated that maybe something improper was going on and some of the trustees at the parish then got wind of this and they were going to have a meeting with him and they kind of brought him in and and just how he responded he didn't really let it affect him he he sort of was very humble but yet stood up to him in a sort of a non-confrontational way and they got the picture that he was clearly innocent and then the other man's name sort of was diminished and he sort of, sort of lost favor and um, Newman kind of stood his ground in his own quiet way then he decided to to move just so there was no even hint of scandal and then he went to what is today St. John the Baptist which was North Bush on Englewood in the city or in the town of Tonawanda. Boy, so some of those um, ongoing um I don't want to use the word scandal, really, but these ongoing conflicts and things in the church, even way back then, right? The jealousy and all these kinds of things, right? They're oh, all in our history. Yeah, he he didn't have it easy. He had it tough. There were there were a lot of issues. Some of the ethnic groups back in the day that he was working with didn't get along, and he tried to reconcile them. And he was very astute in doing that too, because I think he said, "Well, let's pray a hell, let's pray a, pray a rosary or do the Stations of the Cross before you know. Let's simmer down a little bit, and half of them would, or some of them at least, would leave because they didn't they didn't want to stay that long, and then the other half would cool down, and then there could be some progress made. So, you know, many of the things that we sort of struggle with in our own day and age, he struggled with back in his day. Simple genius. That's a great solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a, a practical man, practical man, and good with people. And you know, he, he loved kids too. I guess that's another thing. He really always had a heart for young people, um, which, it, you know, I try to help young people in my my ministry I'm called to at St. Luke's, and he really, you know, loved doing that, and he opened, you know, in Philadelphia, the Catholic school system, always trying to give uh, our young people a Christ-centered education that is faithful to the church, so just, just an amazing man. Uh, Dave, thanks for spending some time with our listeners, and thanks for organizing this wonderful pilgrimage for all of us today. Oh, my pleasure. God is good. Father Dan Young is the pastor at Good Shepherd Parish in Pendleton. Actually, you have two worship sites, right? Correct. Pendleton and Clarence Center. Uh, now, um, just a brief, uh, because Dave kind of gave us the the Newman history or whatever. Did he found your parish or did he come to your parish? He, he, um, he actually founded the parish and... Um, in a log cabin on Tonawanda Creek Road, not in the present site, um, but it was a log cabin. He um, said mass for six German families um, in the parish, and um, he would come once a month. 
Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, where, where was he staying at the time? Do you know? Um, I think he was staying in Williamsville, St. Peter and Paul. Okay, that was time. when he was in yeah. Peter and Paul. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell us about the legacy of your parish. Tell us about your parish today. Obviously, at some point, you moved right to the site that people are familiar with right. now. Um, in 1849, we... They moved to the present location. Before that, they were in another location, as I said, a log cabin. Um, long history. We we actually owned the entire road from Campbell Boulevard to Irish Road. Wow. Um, but 1920s was when they were having financial troubles, so they started selling off property. We still have 67 acres wow. at that location. Um, and then in 2009... Um, when we started merging in the diocese, um, Good Shepherd and St. Augustine's Church on Goodrich Road in Clarence merged. Um, so now we're two, two worship um, places. Um, we're 810 families, so we've grown considerably from six families. <laughs> That's um, true. But um, even before that, the, the merger was good in this way, that um, it really brought a lot of people back together. Um, and... We have a lot of developments in the area, and a lot of those people who are moving into these developments are now coming to the church, which has been good. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. You know, you're a very active parish. Now, just for, and particularly for the purposes of, of this show and you yourself, I'm very active with St. Luke's yes. Mission of Mercy. Many of your parishioners have been active mm-hmm. there. So folks who aren't maybe familiar necessarily with your Parish know of, of you and the and the stuff you do at St. Luke's. Correct. Um, but I, I know you have all kinds of other activities and things. Correct. Parish. Correct. Yeah. We're 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 getting ready right now for an Oktoberfest, um, which has been kind of an annual thing since we merged. Um, you know the legacy of the German you know settler, settlers um, from both churches. Um, St. Augustine's was um, founded by Germans too, and um, so it's a very German. Um, in nature, but also we have loads of other ethnic groups. Um, we're very proud that we we now have eight Mexican fi- families who have moved into Lockport and who are now coming to our parish too. So that's that's been a, a nice thing. Oh, terrific! Uh, devotions okay. you do, adoration. We do um, Eucharist, those things. Um, we do Eucharistic adoration first Fridays, and um, Rosary is said every day, um, you know, before Mass. Um, other than that kind of devotion, um, January fifth is the feast of Saint John Newman, and we do do a you know a novena to him. So, um, so that's basically what we do. Yeah. Uh, let me just ask you, kind of wrap this up a little bit, uh-huh. but um, your own maybe personal devotion to Newman. Were you a Newman guy before you went to one of his parishes? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Matter of fact, I. I actually prayed to St. John Newman um, to go to Good Shepherd, um, but I've had his devotion since I was a little kid, actually. Um, I don't know where my mother picked it up, um, but I've just just had a very... He, he was very close to the Eucharist. I love the Eucharist. Obviously, I'm a priest, but, um, but he had a great love for the Blessed Mother, and that was always stressed in our, you know, growing up. So, um, yeah, I... I and I've always had a devotion to him. So. Very good, Father yeah. Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. So as we've been traveling around to many of these churches, um, the 
both family have been longtime members of Good Shepherd Parish in, in Pendleton and have uh, lived in the area for many years. In fact, if you want to know how many years, uh, Donald Spoth, uh, I wanted to, to just get him in here for a second because um, his family goes right back, back to the man himself, right? 1832, yeah. My uh, great-great-grandparents uh, were one of six families that founded Good Shepherd. And um, they actually lived um, on the canal about a mile uh, south of here. And um, they, 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 um, they were probably some of the first passengers on the canal, 1832. Uh, they knew St. John Newman very well. Uh, he baptized many of their babies. And um, they, um, they were close friends of his while, while he was here. And actually, at the same point in history, my great-great-great-grandfather, Martin Spoth, was one of the uh, original parishioners of St. Peter and Paul in Williamsville. He, too, knew St. John knew. Wow. Yeah, so we had... Uh, um, my family members here were the mayors, uh, Michael and Elizabeth. Um, they came here in 1832. The Spoths actually um, came here in 1833, settled in Williamsville. But this part of the family, this was my my grandma Spoth. Her, um, it would have been her mother and uh, her mother's uh, parents that would have been the ones that settled here in 1832. Wow. So, yeah. So it goes right back. It goes right back, yeah. Terrific. Hey, yeah. thanks for sharing with us. Ah. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. Call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org.